I'm Matthew J. DiStefano. I'm the president of the Gospel Coalition. <laughs> former, former, the former, former president. president of the Gospel Coalition. Oh, man. You are so fired. Western Christianity has spent the last 2,000 years telling everyone they're separated from God. This is Not Church with John and Nat Turney. Welcome, everybody, to this bonus episode of This Is Not Church. I am here with my brother, Nat. I'm not going to ask him to say hi because I don't want to hear his voice. What up? You don't have to ask me. I invite myself. Whatever. Uh, We are here on this episode to talk about a book that has just dropped that um, we want everyone to, to go and pick up as soon as possible. We have a couple of the authors that are from that book. The title of the book is Before You Lose Your Mind. So uh, this isn't going to be our typical uh, podcast. I'm not going to. I'm not going to read any bios. I'm just going to introduce our two uh, guests here and let them kind of introduce themselves. So uh, Matthew, why don't you kick it off, and then we'll go to Brandon. Here I am, Matthew DeStefano. I'm one of the uh, one of the contributors. One of many. I, I don't remember. Maybe thirteen contributors. Yeah, I, I think it's 13. contributors. Uh, edited by Keith Giles, uh, so he gets all the credit. Um, his name gets to go on the Amazon, uh, on the Amazon, you know, typical Keith. Yeah, right, right. But, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, no, I mean, it's a really what a jerk. It's amazing how quickly we put, to get, put together the book and amazing. Um, it's been like, we've been kind of floored at how well it's doing. So, yeah, stoked that you guys want to talk about it. Absolutely. And your buddy down there is Brandon, right? Yeah, I'm Brandon yes, Dragon. Uh, also a... Uh, also a contributor to Before You Lose Your Mind. And uh, yeah, I'm um, hanging out here down in Nashville, just uh, living the law school dream and trying to write when I can. The law school dream. Holy crap. That's that sounds a like a nightmare. Yeah, I was going to say. That, yeah, sounds like a nightmare. that sounds like actual like work and stuff. I don't, oh, I'm not good is. at that. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. so, hey, maybe you guys can uh, maybe you guys can kick us off and give us a, an idea. I know this book is in uh, is in response to another book that was put out by the <laughs> Gospel Coalition. What, what, what was the impetus to, to answer that piece of drivel with this book? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll go real quick, Brandon. You can share your thoughts. Um, I, I mean, the Gospel Coalition, for those who don't know, God bless you. Um, they, uh, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're the type of folks who don't... Don't want you to deconstruct. They, I mean, the status quo works for reformed, works for evangelical. Um, those of us who have questioned our doctrines and you know come out on the other side happier, more content people, um, comfortable with our questions. You know, we're we're kind of a threat to the status quo, um, and so we kind of did a response like. Hey, it's okay to deconstruct. It's okay to ask these really hard questions. It's okay to to question what you were given growing up. Um, you don't have to be anti-LGBTQ. You don't have to believe in eternal torment. You don't have to believe the Bible's inerrant. And and it seems like those on the, the you know the gospel coalition type of people are like. You better you better end up where, where you kind of started. If you started in this reformed camp, yeah. that's, that that better be where you end up, um, because that's true Christianity, that's true faith, and that's true bullshit to to my mind. Yeah, it was kind of kind of why I wanted to jump in on the project too, because you know I just felt like for so long, groups like the Gospel Coalition were antagonistic towards 
my journey and, and the fact that the faith that I was given, um, that I was growing up with just wasn't working for me and was probably in fact doing damage. And then all of a sudden you have, you have this idea that, Oh, now they want a dialogue with me. Oh, now they're putting out a book because they're interested in me. Whereas after all, you know, they spent all these years kind of making me feel or, or, you know, making my friends in the church feel like I was dangerous for having these questions. Um, and so, yeah, I wanted to get in on it. Um, kind of to echo what, what Matt said too, just to, um, to let people know that, that there's such a big wide faith tradition, whether you remain in Christianity or not, um, that most of us were, you know, at least in the, in the areas, the Western churches that a lot of us grew up in that we just weren't exposed to. Um, and so that was, that was a big impetus for me to kind of jump on board and be part of the project. Now that's cool, man. You guys had some, uh, some really good contributors as well. I wish we could have had more of y'all on, but, um, obviously, I mean, not Keith, you know, whatever with him, but, uh, <laughs> Michelle, Michelle Collins, obviously Jason Elam. Um, there were, there were a few Derek others that, that was like, yeah, Derek Day, uh, a bunch of names. I'm like, oh man, those are some heavy hitters. Those are some people who have, um, who have cred behind what they have to say, you know, and they've, I know a, a few of them personally. And so I know they've walked through this stuff for real. You know what I mean? This isn't some abstract, you know, theorizing. This is the, the real life rubber meets the road story. So, um, when you guys contrast before you lose your mind with before you lose your faith, I'm going to guess there's some intentionality to that. Um, is, is it your, I know it's my, it's been my experience that those in the camp of the gospel coalition types, um, man, they, they don't really want you engaging your mind all that much. Um, you need to buy the party line, hook, line and sinker and shut the hell up and move on. Um, has that been your experience, Matt? And that was that, and was that intentional as far as the title goes? Um, well, I mean, as far as the title goes, yeah, I mean, it was intentional that, you know, when you, when you use your mind, it doesn't mean you're going to lose your faith. So I think that's why we kind of contrasted their title. I mean, they had their title, their book came out first. Um, and, and then, you know, we followed up with it and it was kind of like, if you, if you go down this route that they're, they'll have you go down, which is you can ask some questions as long as these are the answers. You can use your mind as long as your mind gets you to these conclusions. And we're saying, no, you're going to lose your mind if you do that. Right. Um, and, and like you said, I'm, gl- I'm glad you brought up the fact that all of the contributors have gone through deconstruction. We, we all have different stories. And I don't know everyone personally as well as the next. You know, I know Dr- Brandon a little bit better because uh, we both follow English football. I know Keith. I know um, some of the other folks. But having known a little bit about all of them, like they all have their deconstruction story, but you know, it's really cool because there's, there's like artists, there's doctors, there's psychologists, there's, you know, doctoral candidates like Brandon and Michelle. Um, there's poets, there's, you know, musicians. It's, it's like an eclectic group, which is kind of true of the deconstruction story. Like a lot of us were either pastors or therapists or worship leaders. And, and in spite of how, eclectic all that is like a a lot of the stories are very similar though they are unique so we can tell them in our own unique way whereas i think i think people who just talk about the deconstruction story and then and then end up right where they started i mean i i they don't have much cred if they haven't gone through it yeah i agree obviously um for me uh, definitely the title 
um, the title is great because I, I kind of got to a point where, you know, in, in my own journey where either I was going to believe in a God who was all loving and all forgiving and was a lot better than I was as a person in terms of being able to offer forgiveness when in, injured and, and not seeking revenge and that kind of thing. Um, either I was going to find that God or I was going to have to walk away altogether. So it was a combination of, you know, faith and mind for me. But, but yeah, I mean, my, my mind led me out of a lot of the really dangerous things that I had been taught as a kid. I don't know about I mean, damaging for sure. Um, and and I, I don't have a story of, um, you know, being in one of the, you know, as we say in legal terms, one of the like discrete minorities, uh, that the church has really gone after where you really do have tragic stories of people who are so torn between their faith and who they are that they commit suicide or attempted those kinds of things. I don't have a story like that, but I did have a story where, um, I was being hurt by what I was taught and it wasn't until I was able to kind of realize that and find that God who, you know, I believe loved, loved me just as I was and not, I love you as you are, but you have to change all these things before I'll like you. Um, and so for me, that was, um, you know, coming out of the, the faith and mind journey, that, that's kind of where I ended up, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. I mean, um, Nat and I have come at this deconstruction slightly different as well, but we both, we both traveled this road too. My deconstruction started 30 years ago. Uh, when I walked away from church at about 18, 19 years old. And uh, the catalyst or the moment that kind of created my separation from church was, you know, we, we've talked about it quite a bit or a little bit on, on our podcast, but uh, I was living a double life. I was living a life of pretending to be a good Christian, going to church. I was at church all the effing time. I was at Sunday service. I was at Sunday night service. We had a Saturday night service. I was at Wednesday youth group. I was at the church on days where there was nobody there. I just went there and hung out because that's where I thought I needed to be. And as I realized that the church didn't accept me who's who I was, I started this double life and I I covered a lot of my shame and guilt and all that with drugs and alcohol. And it it culminated in an intervention. Uh, that I was not aware was coming. Um, they hid it under a, the guise of, hey, let's all go over to our youth group leader's house for some barbecue and just hang out. And I'm the last one to show up. And everyone's already sitting on couches. And it seemed little a little weird. And then they had me sit down. And then it was person after person, right? I mean, we've all seen and understand how this all works telling me how I'm ruining my life. I'm destroying my walk with the, with the Lord. And uh, it was the catalyst that made me leave. You know, I was like, I played their game. I fell down in tears. I cried. I prayed the prayer they wanted me to pray. I walked in the back room with the, with the youth leader and recommitted to everything because that's what they wanted to hear, right? And then that was me. That was in my mind. I checked out that day. I completely checked out. And I held on for a little while, but that was that was the end of it for me. And uh, what I find really interesting, and I, I, I can't remember who, who uh, put out this quote or this comment in the book, is that 
they come at this deconstruction with, yeah, go ahead, have these questions. Uh, but at the end of the day, when you reevaluate your faith, you need to come back to the true faith, right? You need to come back to what they call the orthodox, the traditional faith. And how, how asinine is that in there? I mean, how, how blind are they with their understanding of church history? And I mean, I'm throwing that out to either one of you who wants to just. Yeah, I mean, I I would say along that line, since I was a teenager, I guess I was never really afraid of asking the questions because it was more important to me that I could be honest about what I believed and that, uh, you know, I could keep my intellectual honesty about it. It was more important that I could do that than it was to have a faith that wasn't real or wasn't working for me. Um, and I think that that's, you know, to your point, I mean, I think that with groups like gospel coalition and these types of books, you know, we're getting at where like keeping the faith is the most important thing, holding on to this particular version of whatever it is you were handed. Um, and, and like, I go back to, you know, people would use the Bible verse at me about like, you know, holding on to the faith that you were, first taught and everything and like, you know, and using all these guilt techniques to kind of keep you in this system where, um, that was eventually why, and I had a very slow exodus too. I mean, it was, you know, from my teenage years on, I mean, probably for a 15 year period before I finally considered myself like outside of, of the whole system. But, um, yeah, like to me, it was always, I always felt like, okay, well, if I'm asking the questions and what you're telling me is the truth, then the truth should stand up to these questions. And like, if it doesn't, then I have to find something else that does. Anytime reformed people talk about orthodoxy, I laugh. I check out mentally. (laughs) I mean, if they want to sit here and think that, that, that their reformed theology reformed back to Christianity the way it should be. I mean, they're delusional. Like the, the church should always be reforming. And I think they're, they're stuck in concrete. Um, their oh, views yeah. are harmful. They're anti-LGBT. They're pro-eternal torment. They're, I mean, they're, they're, and the reform tradition is entirely anti-women in terms of true equality. I mean, the women can, yeah. can do the Sunday school and work in the office, but they can't be pastors and priests or whatever you want to call them. Um, they can't be clergy. They can't be, I mean, so all these harmful views, like, honestly, like, they, if they can have that orthodoxy, if that's true orthodoxy, they can have it, and the rest of us will just walk away and will better humanity, and they can stay stuck in the middle, literally the Middle Ages because their Reformed theology and the Westminster Confession of Faith is all from the Middle Ages. It's Luther, it's Zwingli, it's Calvin. Zwing, I mean, you know, we can say what we want about those folks, but the theology does not mean, I mean, there's some good things that came out of it, but it's not the answer. It's not moving us forward as a no. church or as humanity. No, and it's, it seems like we haven't learned that lesson, right? Like, like, okay, so Luther gets us so far, and that's a needed reformation in some respects, right? Catholic Church yeah. got out of control. Luther calls him to task. And, and as quickly as they've dismantled or they've tried to dismantle that structure, they've gone and built up a very similar structure. Dude, Protestantism 
was persecuted when it first came on the scene, and it took him 10 years to start killing Anabaptists. I mean, that, exactly. that, that's, exactly. a, that's what you need to say about the damn church. It's like, it took you 10 years from go f- to go from persecuted to persecutor. Right, right. I, if, if anyone knows the story of the Anabaptists, I mean, you're right. It's like, mo- I mean, one of the most persecuted groups on, you know, in Europe, right? It's like, right. yeah. We, so so that's the, that, that seems to be the human cycle, right? And so... This this need for constant reformation um, is, is something that I don't we lose sight of. But as soon as we start building empires out of whatever structure is lining our pockets, man, it's you know. And the Gospel Coalition and those guys are no are no different. You know, they they make money, um, they find their status and everything, and their certainties and their platitudes. And and um, it cracks me up when they call me a heretic because most of them couldn't identify orthodoxy to save their lives. So go ahead. You have no idea what the hell you're talking about. So, <laughs> but yeah, holding faith and humility was a really big thing for me too, because I was taught that, you know, that once you had the right faith, you had to defend it. You had to be sure about it and you had to convince other people how right you were. And so, um, you know, my faith for a while was, right. it was an exercise in like, in, persuading people about how right I was, uh, rather than holding. And that was one of the big things. Like, I mean, like Matthew mentioned, I mean, some of these elements of, of faith that I was taught, like, Oh, this is the gospel. And then you come to find out like, Oh, it's 400 years old. (laughs) It's not really, you know, there's, there's like, I, like I mentioned earlier, there's this whole big faith tradition, uh, that I had never even been exposed to. And yet I'm being, it's being crammed down my throat that like, this is the truth and you have to take it just like this. I mean, would you, would you go as far as to say that the gospel coalition or groups like that are either one ignorant of the true, of the, of the, the, the older faith traditions, or are they purposely ignoring it? I mean, um, I'll, I'll start with Matthew. I mean, I mean, if you had to guess, which, which of these camps do they lie in? Are they just ignorant or are they, are they purposely hiding this information? Uh, from from their congregations. Well, I, I I can't say for sure. Um, I don't know when I when I read the names of the contributors of the Before You Lose Your Faith book um, or the contributors at the Go- Gospel Coalition. I mean, they they seem like smart folks. I'm sure a lot of them went to seminary. I'm sure they've heard. I mean, when when I know Mark Driscoll isn't necessarily a part of the Gospel Coalition, but he's reformed. And when he's when he says, like, for instance, universalism was condemned for two thousand years, it's like, no, actually, that was more in the fifth and sixth century. So it was actually fifteen hundred years, and so there's five hundred years of church history. I mean, so, but then I look at someone like certainly he must know that the early patristics there's a lot of universalists, and they weren't condemned. So. Sometimes I think like, yeah, these, these people are lying, but then I try to give people the benefit of the doubt and say, oh, they're just ignorant of, they can't, I mean, but they can't be ignorant of the Eastern Orthodox Church. <laughs> like those are the Orthodox folks. Um, they, they must know who they are. Like Tim Keller is the head of Gospel Coalition, right? He's, he's educated. He must know who the Eastern Orthodox is. So when they use Orthodox, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how they're using it. Because then they must know their tradition only goes back 500 years. So I guess that doesn't answer your question because I really don't know. I want to give them the benefit of the doubt and say they, they're, they're, just, they're just ignorant. But then I look at the credentials and I'm like, well, these are educated folks. So what's going on? You know, Matthew, to kind of piggyback off of that again, like 
I think it, it may be more of just a systemic thing that like when you're, when you've built this system around yourself, you know, you might know, um, but you've also got these kind of built in, um, ways of thinking and built in ways of dealing with like outside information. And so, yeah, I'm really, I'm really hesitant to, um, to, to, you know, disparage anybody's motives. Um, like I really, I, I really feel like probably the people that wrote that other book feel like they're doing the right thing, just like we are. Um, and so I would just say it's, you know, again, when, when you're in the midst of that systemic, like monolith of thought, you don't really get the outside perspectives because you filter any outside information through the system that you've been taught. I mean, that, that was how I grew up. Um, you know, if I heard information that didn't match with what I'd been taught, it was filtered through what had kind of been ingrained and I was able to, you know, for some of it kind of filter it out. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that it's a purposeful, I don't think it's ignorance necessarily, but I do think there, there is a systemic element to it of, it's it's just become bigger than the people who are who are writing it. It's interesting because I'm I'm looking at their website right now just because I want to know, and uh, I I don't recognize anybody by the way any of the contributors. So I don't I don't know who these people are, but they make a statement here. I wanted to read it to you, and I wanted to get your. Uh, I think they're I think they're right about this. It says before you lose your faith, argues that church should be the best place to deal with doubts. I. agree that the church should be the best place. Sadly, it almost never is. So why don't they at least recognize the truth? I agree with them. I think in a perfect world, you ought to be able to come to your church and your pastor and your your community and and wrestle with these hard questions and say, hey, what the hell? What do we do with this? And have the freedom to explore those things. But, But I'm sure all of our experiences will attest to the fact that when you come with those questions, you usually get the back of a hand or told to shut up and sit down. So what, what is your response? What do you think, Matthew? I, I 100% agree with you, and I agree with the Gospel Coalition. This must be the end of the world. Right? Um, no. <laughs> I thought you might enjoy that. <laughs> no, they're absolutely right. Like, I mean, church should be that. Why is it not? I mean, there's probably a thousand reasons. Um, church, it seems like nothing more than a place where you put on a mask Ironically, in the age of COVID, they don't like to wear masks, but they <laughs> they, they wear they, they've been wearing them for a long time. I mean, yeah, yeah. There, there's also there's also the um, they've turned the gospel into what happens when we die, and right. so many Christians believe in either you just become obliterated, and and that that only sounds good because the alternative to them is is burning forever, and and, and so. Well, I mean, you can't really doubt. How could you doubt that? Because the stakes are so high. Their gospel, the stakes are infinitely, literally infinitely high. And if you doubt, I've always laughed at these these Christians who are like, oh, I want people to have an open mind and come to their own conclusion. I'm like, do you? Do you really? So you want them to, ha- to t- take the chance on eternity in your gospel and possibly end up on the wrong side of that? That's not worth it. At that point, I'd be like, no, I'm going to tell you what's right. because, Or, I mean, you know, I mean, what, 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 I don't know what. So I, that's one solution, I think, is that, that the stakes are so, so high. And so if, if they're that state, you stay right in that lane. You don't you don't swerve. You stay right there. I've wondered, though, before, have you ever wondered why if, 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 
if these people believe that that's the truth, right? Like, like Rob Bell sort of jokingly says this in Love Wins that like the kindest thing to possibly do would be to murder children because at least you'd guarantee their ticket to heaven. Um, and it puts it in such stark terms that you go, holy shit. Like, yeah, like, yeah. like that, like in that, in those terms, that might be the kindest thing. But, but why don't, why, why do these people have jobs then? Like, why don't you do nothing but preach? If, if that's what you firmly, truly believe, then, you know, your every waking breath should be spent convincing people that they're on the road to that hell. Well, because those are who, those who are predestined to uh, go to heaven are going to go there anyway. So, <laughs> no, shoot. Okay. Uh, he pulled the predestination card. You, you <laughs> lobbed him that one. I did. I teed you up. and <laughs> I did want to say just something about in terms of um, the church being a safe place for doubts and everything. Um, probably 15 years ago, I had a conversation with a mentor of mine who um, passed away shortly after that. Um, but we were talking about the difference between like the historic church and Western American churches, as far as what you see. And one of the things that he mentioned to me that was just so interesting was, you know, for, for however many, I mean, a, a thousand years and still today in many places of the world, if you're uh, being chased by bandits or robbers or something like that, or somebody who's trying to, uh, you know, take a pound of flesh from you, like you can run into the church anytime, day or night, and you can find like protection and refuge there. And, and a lot of times those, you know, bad people won't even follow you in there because it's a church. Uh, whereas like now, I mean, all the churches around me have, you know, as soon as Sunday's done, the Sunday services, the security system goes on. Cause like we got sound equipment in there, man. You know, we have, you know, we, we've got the silver in there. We got to protect, you know, they put a gate across the parking lot. So you can't even ride your bike around in there and everything. And that was just such a stark contrast to me. And, and I think that really kind of drives the idea home of like the church used to be a place where you could run into day or night and somebody would be there to like wrap their arms around you. Whereas now it's just a place where you're supposed to come receive what we give you, make sure you leave some money behind and then like go out the door for the week. Uh, and we don't really want to hear from you. We lock the door behind you on, on your way out. Wow. Well, and that just belies the, belies the whole meaning of the word sanctuary, doesn't it? I mean, here we are in this sanctuary and, and it's not really a place of safety or security or protection. It's just another place of indoctrination. And so that's a, that's the sadness. I know that that's not true across the board, you know, and so I try very hard to not make, you know, blanket generalizing statements. But I promise you one thing in the churches where these contributors are hanging out, that's probably the case. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, think I can fairly certainly say that, uh, again, I've already forgotten their names, but the people who have contributed to this to this book. That's probably, you know, those aren't safe places for people to question and doubt and wonder. Um, I've tried very hard to create a space in the little tiny church that I that I planted about a year and a half ago, and we've done shoot. I like to preach in series, so I think I've done three series so far on questions. Like questions are good, questions are good, questions are usually better than answers. Let's dive into the questions, you know. But that's my small little contribution. So I believe in church. John, I think, believes in church, at least in the abstract. At least, like what we're doing right here, you know, hanging out, talking about Jesus, kicking around some ideas is as much church as anything else that we'll do. But um, I'm, I'm a bit more of a, 
of a, of a stubborn, like kick the doors down from the inside kind of guy. So we're working our different angles here, but um, I had a question for you that's very deep, all right? <laughs> it Here is. It it's very, I really hate the cover of those guys' book, and I love the Ooh. cover of your book. So I want to talk about artwork for a second because, man, I saw the cover of Before You Lose Your Mind. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like, who did yeah. that? And then I saw the cover of the other book, and I was like, God, what a pile of crap. You know, it's just a picture of a dude falling, and it just, I don't know. What do you, what do you, what do you say about the, is it, <laughs> what, do you, what do you think, Matt? Any, any, did you have any contribution to the artwork? No, I never do. I mean, even on my own books with choir, I give some tidbits, but Raphael Palendo does all the art. All, no, he oh, didn't great. do the art for Brandon's fiction because so he, I think he might've tweaked it a little bit. Correct me if I'm wrong, Brandon, but Brandon had an artist do something, but typically, yeah, like layout. Yeah. yeah. Typically Raphael does all the art and, um, he's way more brilliant than I am when it comes to that. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I think, I, I mean, they, they say don't judge a book by its cover, but I think that's wrong. I think yeah. you can, you can take some things from a cover and what I see this, my interpretation of their cover, the person falling is that if you deconstruct, you will fall and there will be no one to catch you. And exactly. the assumption the assumption is like you you're either falling from Noah's Ark or you're falling from grace you're you're down you're sliding down the road to perdition which only ends up in hell, and so the answer to your questions is here's our answers this will save you and you you it's going to revert you back to where you started, and and I'm going to guess there might be some quibbling between all the contributors on what, the, where they stand theologically, but essentially they could probably all affirm a doctrinal statement and the contributors for our book. It's not about that. I don't think we could, I mean, it, if, if it was, it might be a sentence. Let's put people first or something <laughs> like that. Um, because I, I, I'm, I mean, I know I'm different than Brandon who's different than Keith, who's different than Derek in terms of theological conclusions, who's different than Katie Valentine, who's different than Mark Karras, Maria Francesca. I mean, the whole, the whole nine yards. So the point isn't what we land on. The point is that it's okay to have our questions and it's okay to use your mind. And you're not going to, you're not going to fall and end up with nothing like their cover suggests. I mean, would you say that, would you go so far as to say that if you would free your mind that the, the rest would follow? Is, is that a song lyric? Come on. You know, oh, man, you're so, you're so young. Free your mind and the rest will follow. All right, never mind. John knows who I'm talking about. Be Fail. colorblind. Don't be so shallow. All right. Well, well that, uh, that joke landed yeah. like a, geez, like a turn yeah. in the punch bowl, man. That was, that's well, bad. It, it landed like the guy on the cover of their book. <laughs> If I was to add my two cents onto that, I, I would say that what you just said about each of the contributors to your book is, it, in my opinion, in my, in my world, it makes it more believable. Uh, because yeah, you guys are free to say, yeah, hey, we don't even we don't even agree theologically. We don't agree, and I guarantee you, like you said, most of the guys or people, guys and gals, in on the other book probably have a very, a very closer connection to a the basis of their faith uh, that they are not allowed to or not going to deviate from and whereas this book 
I mean, I, I know quite a few of the contributors to this book, and I can say that, yeah, vastly different theo- theologies from you guys. And so just that alone makes your book more believable, more authentic, more trustworthy, any of that. Brandon, you were going to say something? Yeah, I was just going to say, I think that that's, that might be, for me, kind of the major difference between the two books is that, um, you know, not only are we saying it's okay to ask the questions, we're saying it's okay to come to different conclusions. Um, and that, you know, we should be free to do that and, and, and to still be able to have the conversations um, along that wide range of like, of where different people come out. Um, you know, with, with the realization that, uh, you know, if God is good and he loves us all, then like, he knows we're not going to get it right (laughs) no matter who we are. So, um, I think to me, that's the biggest difference. It is, uh, yeah, it's pretty stark, you know, um, I was actually going to see if I could download a piece of this book so I could (laughs) talk about it, but I don't think I will. Um, you know, sometimes you can go on Kindle and like download a sample, but, uh, anyway, the uh, I I went through looking through their through their names and stuff, and I'm like, again, I don't recognize anybody, but I totally forgot about like Katie Valentine on y'all's side, and there's some um, there are some people with some vastly vastly. We've had Katie on the show, and she's man, she's awesome, she's brilliant, but yeah, for sure, some vastly different you know life experiences and stuff they bring to the table. But so when you guys each like did your did your portion of this contribution, um, how did you approach that? Then did you each just kind of did you, did you have a, an idea of what you want to write in mind or did you give yourselves the liberty to say, hey, just write a chapter and talk about what, what you think you want to talk about? Brandon, you wrote an original thing, right? Yeah. Um, so I'm a fiction writer. This was, was, you know, not, I wouldn't say my first attempt at writing like nonfiction, but I mean, my first published attempt at it, I guess. So yeah, I, I didn't have just a chapter of a previous book that I could offer. Um, so I asked kind of just asked Keith, what is there a specific topic that you want me to write on? Um, and he just kind of said, just tell us what you would want to tell somebody who is struggling with the idea of deconstructing. Um, and so I just approached it from, okay, you know, a storyteller's point of view, I, I just told my story. I mean, I went back to, um, to kindergarten and uh, shame about the uh, the Ninja Turtles crayon box that um, that I had and not being able to have that uh, you know face up on the table because my kindergarten teacher and God didn't like mutants uh, and so uh, you know I, I just hold my story um, from kind of step by step uh, as the process is gone and and I tried to do it. Um, in a very positive way, because I, I've gotten to the point where I don't want to be ashamed of where I've come from. Um, because number one, there are other people who are still there on the journey. Um, but number two, it, it also was such a foundational piece of like the next step, um, to where, to where it's led me. And so, um, yeah, writing an original contribution for it, the, the main theme around, around what I wrote, um, was just this lesson that I've learned of, of holding my faith in open hands. Uh, whereas my whole life I, I was taught that, you know, if you loosen your grip at all, it's going to start slipping through your fingers and you're going to end up, um, like the guy on the gospel coalition cover, um, you know, which, which 
you know, if, if you can fall from grace, was it ever really grace? Uh, you know, I, I would also ask, but, um, so yeah, I just wanted to encourage people that like, no matter if you come to the same conclusions as I did, or, or one of the other contributors to this book, or even a different conclusion, um, it, it's most likely better than where you've been. And so just take that step and, and, you know, put your trust in whatever you end up, um, affirming, whether that's God or, um, a universal spirit or nothing at all. I mean, just take a step of, of, of real faith rather than, uh, certainty and, and closed fistedness. And, uh, you'll probably end up in a better place. Yeah. Hell. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to go there for the weather and the company. That's right. Oh, the, the music's going to be much better. Much better. Yes, I mean, can yes. you imagine? Yeah, we should discuss that. I mean, man, all the, all the best people are going to be down there. And uh, what are we going to get in heaven? Are we going to get like Bill Gaither? Holy crap. I mean. You're going to get a bunch of worship bands. Every, all, every music will be in 6-8 timing. Uh, it's going to be terrible. <laughs> all, 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 all minor keys to make you weep instantly. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, man. That's it. That's it. Oh. I'm out. I'm out. Put me on that. Put me on that greased uh, slide down to wherever. But um, it's it's so funny, man. Um, it's funny, but it's harmful. You know. Um, I know we joke, but I, I'm with you in the sense that what we believe matters. You know, and what we what we preach and what we teach matters. And John just got blinded by something over there. What the hell happened, it's dude? A, it's the Holy Spirit. Holy macro <laughs> Blinded by the light. <laughs> Keep oh, talking. Man. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix it right now. Are you? Oh, you know, he's yeah. going to put out the sun with his blasphemy. Jeez. <laughs> so, but it is harmful, right? I mean, uh, when we talk about LGBTQ affirmation, obviously, I mean, they're real life story after story after story of, of real, you know, real incidences of self-harm. And it's heartbreaking. And it's, it's, it's heartbreaking to me that so many in the church can turn a blind eye to that and still sort of dig their heels in on their, on their, their dogmas and their doctrines. And, um, guys like you, Matt in particular, um, being vocal about that kind of stuff. Um, man, I tell you what, God bless you. You know, I, I, I know you take the slings and the arrows that go with it, but it doesn't go unnoticed by those who I think who matter. So I just wanted to say that for you. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's you're right at that. I mean, beliefs matter and they don't matter. I mean, they're not our identity, but they matter in terms of. I mean, a theology for me has just come down to like two things: is it produce good fruit or bad fruit? Yeah, I mean, is it hurtful or harmful? Is it leading to life or is it leading to death? So, I mean, you know, um, people with certainty they can talk about the Bible all day, all day long, but at the end of the day, is your certain doctrines is it leading to life or death? And if it's leading to death, chuck it. I agree. Love, love it. Um, sorry, I, I I missed a little bit of that, but uh, um, <laughs> but you agree that's good. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, no, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, absolutely, I, I agree with the you know the notion of that as as we're moving forward in whatever we want to call theology or faith or um, however we want to whatever we want to call it. Yeah, if it if it's not life giving, yeah, chuck chuck the shit out of it. I mean, it, it's absolutely pointless. Um, we've we've lived. We've lived through, all of us, I believe, have lived through this idea of putting aside questions, putting aside who we really are to put on a mask and fake who we are and fake what's going on 
so we can feel what pious, better than, higher than, and but at the same time, ignoring the plight of the LGBTQ community, ignoring the plight of indigenous peoples in in, in this country, and pl- uh, ignoring the plight of the of, you know uh, people of color, and and we put it under some kind of false platitude of yeah, but I'm praying for them, and you know I'm done praying. I'm absolutely done praying. It's time to start doing. And, you know, people like this book, the, the Gospel Coalition's book is like, they're, they are very okay with just putting everything on the side of it's in God's hands. And if we just pray the right prayer, say the right thing, God will come and control whatever we need him to control. And uh, what you guys are offering is a hands and feet connection to the divine that says, yeah, but it's, that's our job. We're called to do this. We are called, I mean, Matthew, I, I know for a fact the stuff that you're doing uh, as something as uh, that people might think as simple as going around and cleaning up garbage around your community. That's to me way more Christ-like than sitting in a prayer closet Praying for the souls of whoever, and, and you know, I, I, I just, I, I'm done with, I'm done with that kind of, with that kind of faith, with that kind of religion, with that kind of piety. Yeah, I think a, a lot of churches will, will do the, those kind of things. I, I, I feel like anytime that it's like, it seems like there's ulterior motives for a lot of Christians. Like, oh, we'll do the, we'll do the food pantry thing, we'll do the clothes closet thing but we really got to talk to him about Jesus and save him from hell or save him, you know? So it's, it just gets for me. I like, I'm so turned off by that. Just do it. And, and then, and then be done with it. And just, that's it. Yeah. I had an, I had an experience with a, a pastor I used to work with and uh, had a friend come to me and she is a recovering narcotics addict and she wanted to have an NA meeting in our church. And I naively said, Oh, absolutely. Of course we can do that. And so I said, let's go talk to this guy right now. And and I was told in no uncertain terms, no, that wasn't going to happen. And I'm like, I was floored. And actually, it was probably a tipping point for my eventual departure. But I was floored. And I, and I was I was wounded for her. And I was like, man, I'm so sorry. I was, I was embarrassed. But it came down to the fact that 12-step wasn't, quote, unquote, Christian. And they weren't going to proselytize. So why didn't they go ahead and go get a Celebrate Recovery group to come in? That we, At least it's Christian. And the board would 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 approve. And I'm like, man, screw that, man. You have pe- so you're willing to say to these people who want to meet, connect, help each other stay clean, help each other stay off of drugs, and your answer to that is no, because you didn't say Jesus enough. Um, pardon my French, but fuck that. That is just absolute. I don't even know what to say after that. Just crap. But well, I mean that, that kind of makes me think of the uh, the little bit that I did mention in my uh, my contribution to the book. It was probably in third or fourth grade when we had this missionary come to my Sunday school and, you know, they were asking us nine-year-olds for our spare change so that they could tell more uh, Africans about Jesus. And, uh, you know, they, they really hammered on us how these Africans were starving, like quite literally starving. And I remember there was a kid that raised his hand and was like, well, shouldn't we just feed them? <laughs> And like, since that's the problem here, and <laughs> the missionary said, well, you know, we, we can't feed everybody, but we can tell everybody about Jesus. 
And it was like, oh, so that when they starve to death, at least they'll go to heaven. Like that was the point. And that might be my earliest deconstruction moment where I was just like, yeah, this is horseshit. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Like, I can't yeah. do this anymore. Wow. Wow. Well, because it's, it's just it's just a straight up lie. We can feed all of them. Yeah, but that's we, hard, John. We have, we have the we have the ability to do it. If we if if people would just get off their asses, yeah, but but that's difficult. And nine nine year olds don't have that kind of cash on them. Yeah, and 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 as an almost fifty year old, by the way, uh, how am I supposed to afford my my private jet if I got to go around feeding Africans? I mean, sweet lord, I've I've got a hard enough time trying to keep my own lifestyle up. So <laughs> you got you got the G six or the G seven? G seven, man. What do I look like? Okay. Some kind of popper? <laughs> <laughs> Kenneth Copeland ain't got nothing on me, man. I'm not flying commercial with a bunch of. How did he put it? A bunch of tube and a tube full of Demon? demons. Yeah, a tube full of demons, something like that. Yeah. Oh, did you? There's a video that gets somebody grabbed him at some point, um, a reporter, and got like he's literally hanging out of his car, and she got him into she got him to engage in a conversation. And uh, man, there are times when he just looks demonically possessed. Like he gets, he goes from maniacally angry to like sugary sweet car salesman in about a half a second. And it's like, I don't believe in demonic oppression actually or possession, but, but actually now I might like that dude's mentally unstable. Something's wrong with that cat, man. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Him and Jesse Duplantis both, I guess, deserve each other. They can uh, they can go they can go hang out with the Gospel Coalition and fly around their private jets and you know do what they do. But um, if you guys had if you guys had a um, just to sort of sum up the point of the book, you know, in a couple sentences, as we get kind of close to think about wrapping up. But um, what would you? I mean, what's your takeaway, Matthew? From like, let's read this book and come away with what. Read this book and come away with uh, the knowledge that you're not alone. And if you and if you if you don't agree with any of the contributors, um, that's okay. Just um, just know that it's okay to go through what you're going through, and you may not get from point A to point B, but that's not the point. Yeah, awesome. you don't have to agree with everyone. You don't have to. Your identity is not in your agreement, and in fact. If you have to agree with everyone, you're setting yourself up for failure in relationships, failure in, in life. You know, think for yourself. And if you happen to agree at the end of the day, like that's cool. But yeah. it's not it's not everything and it's not ultimate importance. Gotcha, man. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Um I I would encourage people to read the book for sure. Like we've talked about, it it's a diverse collection um of all different stories, different life experiences, and and different points of view. I hope the thing that people get out of it is, uh, like Matthew said, it, it, it's okay to be where you are because you're loved, period. And so um, just walk in love and, and, you know, follow what resonates with your heart. And uh, you'll end up in a very... Um, very positive place as opposed to where many of us have been. So, yeah, that, yeah. Cause the opposite of that is walking around fearful all the time. Right. You know, like, like how am I going to just sort of slip into oblivion here? Cause I believed the wrong thing and that's just sad, but man, I, I appreciate you guys, man. It's just, it's a lot of, a lot of good stuff. And from what I can tell, the book is doing very, very well. I mean, it, it hit like 
bestseller status pretty much like the irony of it is that in the christian apologetics category it's number one as of recording this and it's like the anti-apologetics book (laughs) (laughs) but they had to find a category man like well yeah it, it we picked we picked the same categories as before you lose your faith. All purely coincidental. Ah, uh, okay. Course. Yeah, of course. Sure, of course. sure. Yes, you weren't. Yes. You, no, no one's no one's poking nobody. Now, if they would do no. it, would you would you live discuss any of these topics with those contributors? Oh, I would. I yeah, I think that I personally would. I don't know if everyone on on the contributor list would, but uh, I would. I bet Keith would. Y'all, y'all, Keith, oh, Keith would. <laughs> I, I would as long as I get to wear a suit and there's a jury of 12. Oh, yeah, of course. There you yeah. go. Uh, I, I only bring it up because I have zero way of making that happen. I just was curious. So, <laughs> so I didn't have some like trick up my sleeve. Like I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, by the way. Oh, I happen to know somebody. I, I, I know none of those people. None of them would like. I don't. I, I doubt very much that they would. uh uh, tell you what, if you're listening to this podcast and you have a connection to anybody in the Gospel Coalition and you think they might deign to hang out with any of us and chat, it's not combative. We're not looking for a fight. I, I think Matt and Brandon and Keith and they would very, very cordially and and and, and kindly discuss differences of opinion. I've I've seen Keith debate guys. I know he absolutely disagrees with and be super kind in the process. So um, it wouldn't be an ambush, but. Anyway, get it out to them. Have them reach out to us. We would love, I'd love to see something like that happen. I think it'd be great. But all right. the, the likelihood of yeah. that is, is, is approaching zero, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but and, but yeah. in the mean, but in the meantime, pick up the book because uh, it's not yeah. a, there's it's not a sale price, but it's ninety nine cents on Kindle and it's nine ninety nine in paperback, and that's not a sale price. That's the price. That's amazing. Yeah, that you guys are putting out content like that is amazing. Yeah, I have uh, I have my Kindle version already. My my paperback is in the mail. I think I get I, it's supposed to show up on Wednesday, so I'm looking forward to that. Added to my choir collection, I'm really excited about that. Um, so yeah, I mean, just in closing, uh, we will definitely add the links to the book. Uh, it'll be probably one of the largest uh, link sections on our, uh, on our notes. Yeah, I will, I will you're gonna link to every contributor. I'm going to link to every contributor, uh, to every one of their contributors. Cause I mean, every one of these people have books to sell too. And they're, and they are absolutely great books that everybody should pick up. Um, so we will definitely be linking to all that. Um, if there's anything else that we could link to, to make this, you know, helpful, we will. And, uh, again, uh, Nat and I are just, extremely appreciative of you guys taking your time to come and talk to us about this and uh everybody who's listening go buy the book uh you will not be disappointed yep. uh, there's some great there's some great um work in here and uh uh like matt said it came out really quick but it did not they did not waste um talent Amen. in putting it out and it's, and it's very obvious in in the writing that's in this that it's it's definitely worth picking up um so make sure you do that and again, just thank you guys for uh, taking the time to come talk to us. Yeah, thank you so much for having yeah. us. Thanks, guys. You bet. Yeah. Peace. Thank you for listening to This Is Not Church. Be sure to rate and review the podcast on your platform of choice. If you would like to partner with us, visit patreon.com slash thisisnotchurch, where you will receive exclusive content such as early access to episodes, videos of upcoming episodes, and live Q&A sessions. Be sure to check out our Facebook group, or follow us on Twitter and Instagram. 
All the links are in the show notes. We'll be back soon with another episode. 